Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today's sermon was prepared by Sean Visser, who will continue our Gospel of John series in chapter 15. In the first verses of this chapter, we learn about the analogy of Jesus being the wine, the Father the wine dresser, and we being the branches. How does our fruit depend on our relationship with God? How much are we dependent on God? And how is the Father glorified by our lives and testimony? Stay tuned and listen to Sean's sermon about the vine and the branches. So, good morning. I think you can all hear me. That's good. Um, well, I remember I was uh, texting Philip this week, and we were already figuring out how this will um, happen and how it will be possible. Um, and well, he jokingly told me or reminded me of Moses, who was um, talking to Israel at some point, and two people were just holding him up so he could stand up. Uh, I hope it doesn't get that far, and uh, if I take more than an hour, just get two people up here who carry me down. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, I'm happy to be here, and uh, thank you also once again for all your prayers um, this week. And as Sophia already mentioned, the surgery went um, very well, and as you can see, I'm already uh, up and standing. Um, I think that's how the saying goes, at least. Um, and... Yeah, so um, I'll maybe start with the surgery a little bit, actually, because it's, it's quite fun and quite interesting. Uh, so the week before the surgery, actually, the, the, the SMZ Oste Donauspital, they called me up and they uh, asked me if it was okay if I had my surgery somewhere else. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, uh, I don't mind to go somewhere else, just tell me when and where I have to be, um, it's no problem. And they told me it's because they wanted to keep like the bigger hospitals in Vienna um, emptier to be prepared to react in case of emergencies or like um, surgeries that are going on. Um, so I was very happy to do my part and help and say, well, I'll go to this smaller private clinic. Also, it sounded fancier, so <laughs> I definitely didn't mind. Um, so I got in touch with the other hospital and um, ended up having the surgery there and the Skoda gas in the clinic. And... Yeah, um, on the day after the surgery, the, the doctor, uh, he actually came to my room and uh, he told me a little bit about my knee. But uh, I asked him, well, maybe he could explain to me again why exactly um, he was performing the surgery at the um, Skoda Gasse, even though he's also a doctor from the Donauspital. Um, so he explained to me to picture it like an embassy, um, quite funny. Um, so he said, even though I'm here in the Skoda Gasse, I continue to be a patient of the Donauspital. And even the room I'm in right now and the room where the surgery happened, as long as I'm there and he's operating on me, I'm actually in the Donauspital and not in the Skoda Gasse. Um, so everything is covered by the government too. I don't have to pay anything extra. And even though I'm physically somewhere else, I'm still in the hospital that I'm was supposed to be uh, operated on originally. Um, and then he went on to explain the procedure, what exactly they did. And uh, talking to Mark right now, I found out that I know even less than I thought I knew because <laughs> he explained it to me better than uh, I understood from the doctor. But I'll try it anyway. <laughs> um, 
So a few months ago, I had a, uh, an MRI scan, I think, and they found like a tear in my meniscus. So during the procedure, the, the doctor told me he looked at my knee and uh, he said my meniscus turned, uh, looked fine, but um, my cruciate, no, anterior cruciate ligament, Mark told me, ACL, uh, <laughs> was extended or hyperextended probably from an old injury. And so it wasn't functioning proper, uh, properly anymore. Uh, so the doctor then took the ligament, uh, cut and reattached it uh, to something in the knee. Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe ask Mark. He might know. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, well, at least that's how I think it went. Um, and the results, anyways, that for the next weeks I will have to learn to walk again and um, maybe even get an orthopedic splint to support my knee and do lots of therapy until I'm fully recovered. Um, and in a different but similar way, that's also how Israel had struggled um, with this sorts of things in the Old Testament. And uh, today we are going to look at uh, John 15 as we as we go into this, uh, as we continue our series in John Moore. But Israel in the Old Testament, they were also planted as the vine in the Lord's vineyard, but they continued to rebel and something wasn't working within them. So they also always had to be cut and reattached and cut and reattached. And in Isaiah 5, it reads, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So maybe Israel repeatedly in the Old Testament would have needed knee surgery. Um, and when we read through the Old Testament, that's exactly what they got over and over again. And for example, in the parable um, of the tenants looking forward to the New Testament, in Matthew 21, we read how God gave his land to the Israelites and uh, they repeatedly turned against him, and they even killed his son when he came to collect his fruit. But then as a result, they were cast out, and they made space for new tenants, for new people to enter the covenant, and for others to bear fruit. And that is what we exactly want to look to the, uh, at today, the vine and the branches, and what it means then for us now, who can enter into this new covenant to bear fruit. So uh, I invite you to open up your Bibles at John 15, where we will look at today's passages, which we read from verses 1 to 8, and I'll be reading from the ESV translation. And there it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. 
So luckily, my knee still seems to bear fruit and didn't have to be chopped off and tossed away into the fire because I would have missed it, for one. <laughs> and yeah, Austria, much like uh, Israel, is a, it's a wine country. So we have a lot of wine and vineyards and um with my fiance now living in the Wachau region, I get to spend a lot of time there walking along the vineyards and the grapevines. So it was a familiar picture for the audience back then that Jesus was talking to, and um, it is for us today. And even though they were walking by the vineyards over and over again, and they knew what they were facing, what they were seeing, Jesus still tried to challenge them with this picture that they had there. Because he said, I am the true vine. So this I am language, it goes back to Moses' encounter with God. Uh, the burning bush when God he himself identified himself to Moses as the I am who I am. So he was telling Moses, you shall teach the children of Israel this. I am he who has sent you. Or in other words, I am is God. And these I am metaphors uh, they identify Jesus as God. This is in keeping with the opening statement of this gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, of all the I am statements that we read in John, this one is the last one. Um, and there were a lot of other I am metaphors that we already heard and saw. Um, him being bread, the light, uh, gate, the shepherd even, as we also read today. But divine metaphor, it is, it is slightly different. It is reassuring and it is comforting. So I am, and I am the true vine. What does this part mean, the true vine? What was he trying to say? Um, if we look back again in the Old Testament, the commandments and the laws there, they very much define the life and the habits of the people of Israel, and it happened so much that out of that a group of people formed within who identified themselves more with the law than with whom the law was pointing towards. So the Pharisees, they, they implemented or tried to implement the law so much in their life that they passed or uh, looked over the thing that this law was pointing out. And for that, because of that, a new covenant was needed, a new way to identify yourself with the thing the law was pointing to. And that is, or that was, Jesus Christ himself. And so it is for us today. We need to identify ourselves, not with the laws and the commandments, not with Israel, not even with this church, but our identity has to lie in Jesus himself. And that's what he says in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. He's not talking about a body of church, a body of believers. He's talking about you abide in me and I abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus, he's the vine, and you, so we are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So, of all the many pictures of the relationship between God and his people, the picture here of the vine and the branches, it, 
emphasizes complete dependence and the need for constant connection. The branch, we, we depend on the vine even more than the sheep depend on the shepherd or the child depends on the father. And as Jesus was about to depart, um, as we will see over the next few weeks, uh, as we go further in John, as he was about to depart from his disciples, um, this year, what he was telling was a very important encouragement. Because he was saying that he would remain united to them and they to him, as truly as branches are connected to the main vine. And it's not only that uh, he says that uh, Jesus um, will abide in, that uh, we shall abide in him, but he will be in us. Jesus emphasizes that this is a mutual relationship. It's not only that the disciples abide in the master, but the master, Jesus, is also in the disciple. And he used this picture um, of this continued connection, again emphasizing, even though he was about to depart, that uh, he spoke in a way that indicated that all of this was an, a choice on their part too. Abiding was something that they must choose. It's something that we must choose. It's not something that happens naturally. It's not something I wake up, I'm in Jesus now, but it's something that we have to commit ourselves to every day. So when the Lord says, abide in me, he's talking about the will, about the choices and the decisions we make. So we must decide to do things which expose ourselves to him and keep ourselves in contact with him. So that's what it really means to abide in him. And then he goes on to promise us to bear fruit. But then again, therefore, we must continue to have this daily personal relationship with Jesus. And it's characterized by trust, by prayer, by obedience and joy. We can think now, don't non-believers also bear fruit? Aren't they also good people who are helpful in their community, who um, are successful in their job or in their, with their family? Well, yes and no at the same time. Yes, they might be successful. Yes, they might be people we are looking up to because of what they have achieved. But when Jesus said that apart from him, you can do nothing, he wasn't saying that we will be unable to live our daily lives. We will still be able to wake up, uh, get out of bed in the morning, work our job and so on. But we won't be able to do anything that is of eternal value. We won't be able to produce spiritual fruit. So as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, it is impossible for the branch uh, to bear grapes at all if it's not connected to the vine. So the disciples and we, we can't do true good for God, for him and his kingdom, if we aren't constantly connected with him and abide in Jesus. So I want to ask you and me and how often do we then miss out on the opportunity to bear fruit? How often do we fail to trust God and for him to come through? How often do we forget to 
commit the works that we are to do in prayer to him? How often do we choose the easy path instead of choosing to be obedient? And most of all, how often do we measure our current well-being, our current state of mind, of body, of anything by the current joy we experience? How often do we just try to look at everything that's happening around us and by that define who we are and how we should feel instead of looking towards the promise and the eternal value and self, uh, value we have been given through the salvation to measure our joy by that? Um, it's a t- touchy subject, uh, but yeah, this week uh, Michael's laptop broke down. Um, so I hope it's okay for him uh, if I mention it here. But actually, I don't want to talk about the laptop that broke down, but I want to talk about his well, uh, other laptop. And it's this old workstation. It's like a big, bulky machine, and it's, I guess, more than 10 years old or something, uh, probably even older. And I'm really not sure how it's still working, but Michael seems to use it every now and then. But what's what's interesting is it since years now it has an issue with its battery, so uh, it won't power on, it won't function at all if it's not constantly connected to a power outlet. And that made me think: well, if Jesus were to walk with us today, and we would be his disciples, and he would try to tell us this parable, and we didn't happen to be in the Wachau region, he would probably take us to Media Markt and walk through the electronics department. And tell us, well, I am the power outlet and you are the TV. If you're not constantly connected to me, you will be thrown away because you're useless. Um, And, yeah, that's how we should think of it. Like, we can still be standing around and collecting dust, but we won't create anything of value um, if we are not connected to him constantly. So, again, when we... When we go through our lives, it shall be characterized by, by trust, by prayer, by obedience, and by a joy that we experience from what Jesus gives us, not from what the world gives us or what we experience through it, but from what Jesus gives us. When we look through this passage, Jesus repeats himself over and over again. He says, Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. And in verse 7 then he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So that time he goes on, he goes a step further. He's showing us to know that he abides in us. Not only physically as he was there with the disciples because he knew he was to depart, but He was giving them practical advice how that would take place once he's gone. It's not only through the helper, through the Holy Spirit, that he is abiding in us now, but it's also by us actively pursuing God's word, by us being nourished by his word. Again, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, and As a result of that, he says, ask whatever you wish, 
and it will be done for you. And well, that might think, well, we might straight away think, well, okay, so I just get to be a good Christian and then I can ask for anything and it will be done for me. But it's it's different than that. It's not that God then just chooses to reward the better Christians or the more faithful Christians, but it will come more easily to us because what we will wish for then if we abide in him, if we abide in his word, if we are filled by him, what we truly wish for then are not our earthly joys and pleasures, but it is the eternal joy and a desire for him. Then we will stop wishing for what we can see now, but we will start wishing for what God has in store for us, what, for what God has really planned and planted for us. Um, it reminds me also of this passage that we read in Matthew 4, um, when Jesus goes out to the desert and uh, there is tempted by the devil who said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And there we know from the passage, it's not that Jesus wasn't hungry. It's not that um, he just didn't feel like eating at all. Um, he had just fasted 40 days and 40 nights, we read. And he even reads there, he was hungry. But his desire, his need, his true hunger, his true joy, it was coming from something else, from something bigger and from something more lasting and more fulfilling. It was coming, as he says, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And yeah, every week at the uh, end of the service, we or almost every week, we we come together and we stand up and then we speak together the blessings that we read in Numbers four, where it says, "The Lord bless you and keep you; the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you; the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace." It doesn't say. The Lord bless you and give you all your heart's desire. The Lord um, make it rain money on you. The Lord give you health and everything. But it says, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, give you peace. It's the things that the Lord wants to give us, not the things that we think that we want. And we say these things because we believe that God will truly provide for us. He will truly fulfill the needs that we are longing for. And in John 15, verse 80, Jesus then concludes, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So all of this is happening that in the end, the Father is glorified, that through our lives, through the testimonies we give, his glory is raised even higher, that he's been made known to the world. And this is exactly how we bear fruit. Um, a few years ago, uh, Philip had 
Grace Church longest ongoing series. I think it stretched over a year and a half, two years, something like that. Um, on the fruit of the Spirit, so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these things, they will become more and more evident in our lives as Jesus becomes more evident through our lives. It's not our wealth that will increase. It, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not written there anything of um, earthly desires or earthly pressures, but it's eternal value that is planted here. And yes, I'm also coming to an end already. I think that's standing long enough for me today. Um, I want to share from the Bible commentary, actually, that um, from Matthew Henry on, you know, to this passage, where he wrote, "In order to fruitfulness, we must abide in Christ. We must have union with Him by faith. It's the great concern of all Christ's disciples." constantly to keep up dependence upon Christ and communion with him. True, Christen, true Christians find by experience that any interruptions in the exercise of their faith causes holy affections to decline, their corruptions to revive and their comforts to droop. Those who abide not in Christ, though they may flourish for a while in outward profession, yet come to nothing. The fire is the fittest place for withered branches. They are good for nothing else. So let us seek to live more simply in the fullness of Christ and to grow more fruitful in every good word and work. So may our joy in him and his salvation be full. And I think a few weeks ago, when I was also standing up here, I asked all of you to take a deep breath to calm down and to rest in God's word. And uh, I hope you've had chance enough and time enough to do so uh, more and more and increasingly in your lives. But today I'm um, asking you and myself, me, uh, you and me, to go a step further. Because, yeah, as in my doctor's explanation at the very beginning, we are physically in a different place. We are not in heaven now. We are in the world. We have a profession, a job, a study. We have something that identifies ourselves in the world. Our true identity must hold in Christ. We must not abide in the world, but we must abide in him and him us. So wherever we step, we are in the embassy of heaven. Um, we are ambassadors of Christ and we are in Christ, as he is in us. Um, yeah, I just want to remind you, as we walk through the city, as we see these open doors, as we go into places unknown, it's not, it's unknown to us, maybe. It's what lies ahead is um, it is um, out of our hand, but it's in God's hand. And so are we. We are planted by him, and we are constantly connected to him. We are the branches of his vine, and we will draw strength and um, wisdom and power from that. But most of all, we will bear fruit through him. We will receive life 
we won't be branches that fall off. So, yeah, as we start into this week, um, remind yourselves to abide in him. It's such a simple message, you could say. It's such a simple task, but it's so easy to forget because the world is showing us and telling us over and over again that we must abide in something else, in some other pleasure other than him. But it is not only us abiding in him, it's him in us. It's not from our own strength. Yes, it is our choice. But if we say, Jesus, help me, then he will do so. Then he will redirect our hearts and our minds. So, yeah, I want to encourage you to find this comfort and strength abiding in him. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you truly know how to comfort us. You truly know how to speak to us. And yes, we sang today already that you are the shepherd, that you will lead us through the valley, that you will be with us. And as we read that you are the vine and we are the branches, we pray, Lord, that we will be constantly connected to you, that in all things in life we will realize more and more how dependent we are on you in everything we do, that we will surrender everything we have to you, that we will surrender our pain and struggles, but also our joy to you, that we will know that you are the one we draw joy from, that in all the good things we may praise you, in all the bad things we may praise you too. Lord, we know that our joy and our desire, it it goes beyond this world, it goes for something eternal, for your kingdom, that will be eternal. And so, Lord, just direct our minds towards it, direct our hearts towards it, that as we go out into this world, we are ambassadors for Christ, that we know that wherever we step, we are in the embassy of Christ, that we are planted as your heavenly children, as Give us strength to abide in you and give us the wisdom and sight to see how you are in us. That is your Holy Spirit and the words, the word we read that give us strength and comfort every day. Yeah, Lord, we know that you will hold on to us. So give us strength to hold on to you and your promises. Be with us and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.